This podcast is brought to you by my company, DC Music. Uh, music publishing, music supervision, music education. Find out more at dannychampion.co.uk. Hello, and welcome back to the Behind the Music Business podcast. I am your host, Danny Champion. I am a freelance music consultant, uh, music publisher and music educator. To find out more about what I do, go to my website, www.dannychampion.co.uk. But this is my little podcast that I've been doing since 2018, where I talk to a whole array of individuals in the music industry about their careers in the music industry, about how they've got to where they are today, uh, what they've learned along the way, their motivations for that, and everything in between, depending on where the conversation takes us. Uh, this week's episode is with the managing director, founder of Max Music Publishing, Max Odell. I reached out to Max via LinkedIn. I am someone who is in the process of setting up a music publishing company as of the end of 2021. Uh, Max is someone who did this back in 2017. So I was really keen to chat to him about his experience setting up and making a success out of a new independent music publisher. A lot of what Max Music Publishing is uh, has done is really, really inspiring. And the conversation that I had with Max really opened my eyes to you know what it takes. Uh, he's a very, very interesting guy. Uh, has a lot of interesting ideas about how music publishing should be done in 2021 and beyond, and where it's going in the future. So this is my conversation uh, with Max Odell, founder and managing director of Max Music Publishing. The last what few years been for a young publisher? Should we say uh, well, you know, Max Music Publishing yeah, is is a young company? And... Yeah, we're definitely a young music publisher. I'm not necessarily sure I'm young, but um, maybe you can add some. But people in publishing do hang around for a long time, so it's kind of relative, isn't it? It's a bit like <laughs> you know, a young football manager can be, you know, early mid forties, of which you know. Um, is the kind of category I'm in. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll take that. Yeah, but we're, yeah, we are very much a young publishing company. So we're kind of um, finding our feet, I guess, in within the um, sphere mm-hmm. and um, yeah, enjoying, enjoying where, uh, enjoying being in amongst it and working with up and coming and emerging artists really in the main part. Um, so yeah, we've been going about four years now. Um, I've been previously, I was label manager at a record company called Split Records, mm-hmm. um, actually um, formed in Cardiff. Um, and then we sort of relocated down to London and that sort of came to the end of its natural life cycle. We only had a small roster of artists. Um, they were basically sustaining the label via sinks rather than record okay. sales. Kind of time those artists that you know i don't know what it's not the noughties is it but whatever the decade that followed is known as that's um record sales kind of diminishing completely really so the the but but the kind of um model for promoting was still based on as if there were loads of records to sell so it was quite an expensive um 
undertaking for the label boss and we were only really sustaining ourselves by placements and the artists we did we'd stopped kind of signing new artists we were just working with artists on their third or like fourth album and they were kind of coming to the end of their journey and it just felt like the right time to try something new really so um i uh, we'd, we'd had a sister publishing company at split records right split publishing but that really was sort of like um, in name only, and I, I, I wasn't really given much scope to get my teeth into it. So um, yeah, I just kind of um, my I was uh, my wife was um, pregnant and due our uh, second child, our daughter Ivy. So I just felt that it was like now or never to push on and do something on my own. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I've just went about trying to sign um and this by the way none of this is with any disrespect to the person i run the label with i'm still in contact with him he's has an involvement with max music publishing so it's, it's very amicable but and he's uh sort of quite you know uh reflective on the fact that he basically lost interest in the music industry as well so it was kind of um, at the right time to explore something new so i wanted to try and work with artists outside the sphere of what we were doing at split records which okay. is very much indie records and indie music and nothing else right um i was getting increasingly into um sort of hip-hop and grime and my brother who's a film producer and director he had an editing suite next door to um a load of the uk grime guys like um heavy trackers and p money and basically loaded the grime scene and he was just kept saying that you should really start working with these people you know there's some really exciting music he sort of and um, he knew that I was into that. So, yeah, so we kind of, I set about um, trying to create a roster um, as quickly as possible with as many different genres of music and music yeah. that excited me. So um, I found A&R, um, I put advertisement in Music Match and I kind of um, got a tremendous response, like I wouldn't believe, um, like probably about 130 people responded. Wow. And I was able to uh, yeah, I was able to uh, find, a, which kind of told me there's so many people who are in music who, you know, want to get or want to get involved in music and there just weren't the opportunities. Yep. So, um, yeah, I just kind of, it was set up really as a, in a kind of sense of just trying to do something really nice and fair. Um, you know, I'd been signed to big publishing companies before, like Warner Chapel. And, you know, the deals there, you know, you, you know what you're getting, you're getting a lot of uh, a reasonable advance, whatever, but you're tied down for like, I think I'm still in the retention period for the stuff I wrote in the early noughties for Warner <laughs> Chapel. So um, I kind of wanted to um, do something that was kind of very much artist friendly and that would appeal to writers, you know, doing it something that would appeal to me, really. And I took that same model as well with um, the A&R rather than just doing it um in a manner where they would, you know, just come in for a chat and just, you know, thanks to the lead guys. And then you'd kind of work out if there's some kind of re remuneration afterwards, actually took them on, on sort of commission based contracts. And okay. um, they got them heavily involved in the artistic uh, and the A&Ring side. And it, it worked really nicely. We got, I got people from all different um, areas. So I had an indie specialist, I had a hip hop specialist, I had um, a girl who's really into pop and well connected. And much quicker than we ever expected we got a roster um that was you know really nice and i, I did it main, mainly to try and find artists that were sort of um sinkable in the first place because that's what my background had been in um as an artist myself as well i had tracks placed over the years in sort of some big hollywood franchises and stuff like that so i kind of knew the value of that so i kind of thought if i can um get get the project off the ground 
via the sync side and then everything else will come in time and that's that's kind of where it's gone now and four years later we're now um yeah we've now got a, a sort of roster of maybe about 70 artists uh, mm -hmm. and writers across all different genres and it's just yeah it's just it's kind of um I look back and it's sort of crazy how it's it's developed really during that time I, I wouldn't have anticipated it going as quickly as it has yeah yeah you said you've mentioned sync was the way that split was kind of fun was towards the end was funding itself was mm -hmm. was was your relationship to to sync at that time the reason why you didn't go and start up a record label yourself no, after no, that no. one and went into publishing and thought actually this is this this works better from a from a yeah. sync perspective or was it just actually I'm not really interested in the in the record side of things but I am interested in working with creative people how can I best go about doing this yeah I think it's definitely yeah the latter of what you said is I'd also seen just you know I've been heavily involved in um you know the decision making and lobbying for budgets to be available for the artists and I just saw you know as you just sort of touched on it's uh it's so risky um you know you've, you've put everything costs a lot you know we were putting bands in rockfield studios we were um you know getting sort of big pr companies and everything would like technically click it get played on radio one they would like get great reviews in enemy um and it would sell like about 500 copies and it's like you know you, you ticked every box but still for whatever reason it just didn't gel mm -hmm. at the right moment and, I, and it was also difficult as well because um I think what I also liked about publishing was it you weren't quite so totally fundamental to the artist's career it's more you're just part of it and you can helpfully help them in sort of the areas of you know creatively and sort of administratively mm -hmm. whereas with record company you literally are their lifeline and if it doesn't work you're maybe not always flavor of the month and it could be quite um uh, you know, it could be quite disheartening that over, over time. Whereas with a publisher, you, you know, it's not quite so, um, you know, all inclusive. That every area, if it doesn't work, if they're not on the radio, that's not the publisher's fault. If they're not getting great reviews, that's not the publisher's fault. It's more you can just add something. It's more felt more of a pleasant role. Yeah. Um, so I was kind of, I was sort of like wanting to sort of see how that worked um, for the time being, and you know, bring with it the enthusiasm that I brought to the record label, but in a in a more focused area, I guess, and mm -hmm. sort of learning more um, of a sort of specialised skill set. Whereas when you're a label manager for a record company, you're everything: you're the marketing, you're plugging, your metadata. You know, it's 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 quite hands on. When you set up the publishing company, was it was it always kind of A and R creative at the forefront? And you were always going to try and find a company to, to work with in order to outsource the the admin side of things. Or when you started up, were you, were you doing everything for that for those for those writers? Were you doing their admin? Were you developing yeah, them, the helping top. them creatively? Yeah, at the start, I mean, it's difficult when you've been doing something for a long time. It's difficult to let those things go. So at the start, I was still. Um, you know, wanting to really get involved with, say, like, you know, um, the creative side and sort of like I was getting producers and mix engineers in and sort of like funding those. And then I was speaking to other people I work um, with um, on the publishing side. And I was just saying, like, you don't really need to get so hands on, just relax a bit and sort of let it take its own course there and just, you know, step in with advice more than anything else rather than to actually still try and be a record label without actually even getting any of the 
the financial benefits mm-hmm. um, of it. But no, I yeah, uh, the, the creative side was, uh, you know, that was what drove me on. But obviously, I wanted to make sure the administrative side was done properly. And we I did at the start, um, I was just doing that all myself. Um, and then as more people got involved in the A&R, um, and admin support sort of got involved we were we did try to go down the route of actually doing joining every collection society in the world and um i kind of quickly realized that that just wasn't gonna you know the what we would gain from that um we would lose every other aspect and i felt that isn't necessarily what our uh, usp was really so that moment where we kind of um I mean, it kind of happened at the same time anyway. We had quite a few um, publishers sort of, we were on the radar of other publishers and we had a few approach us. And then we also then, I went through our lawyer um, and he introduced at once, I got approached by a couple, I think. Um, I think it kind of, those, the approaches sort of came whereby I was just dealing with other publishers regarding artists that, you know, hadn't been registered correctly, we needed to get our share in. And they started having a look through our roster and they're like, oh, you work with our, you've got so-and-so's on your books, we work with them. And then they spoke to, you know, someone um, who works alongside them. And then they were like, maybe we could help out here. And then when that ball sort of started rolling, I was like, right, you know what, I might as well entertain speaking to lots of different options. And um, yeah, we, we chatted to probably about five or six publishers um and peer music was the one that felt the right fit for us because um they're kind of got a family where they literally are a family company aren't they as you'd know yourself um a lot of them called ralph aren't they within the company a lot of ralph (laughs) kids and there's about three of them at least or have been um um and yeah they just gave us a lot of attention we had like a, a cup a good couple of really long zooms with like Nigel um and Mike uh Salt and um yeah it just felt like a really um a good fit for us um for where we were um because it they've also got quite a compact roster as well themselves um so I just felt that they were able to give the, I guess the attention that we've been able to be giving in um the areas of like you know creatively and um and sync placements and you know various other sort of brand partnerships and things like that because we've got a small roster we were able to work with them and give that level of attention to detail to administrative things that other bigger publishers you might just get lost in the mix if you're one of millions of like mm-hmm. you know just titles and copyrights there so yeah it's um we're one year into that relationship and it's, it's working really really well um okay I mean, so unfortunately- that, that is something that happened during lockdown then hmm it was, yeah, it was all, all conducted via Zooms. Um, so, uh, it, I mean, a lot of what's happened with Max Music hasn't really been by grand design. I kind of do a lot of stuff on sort of uh, instinct and feeling whether it's the right thing to do. So mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, I haven't got like a massive written out five-year master plan. Right. I've kind of got ideas in my head and I talk about them, but it's not actually set down as a mission has to be achieved. It just it's when it's flown quite nicely i just i feel that i know when it's the right time to do it so as i said it kind of became obvious that we definitely got to have a sub publisher now because we were signing artists uh like i don't know um the stature of like nux and people like that and i just felt it wasn't fair to not be able to collect in every single penny for them it's like even if we were like you know affiliated with ascap and stim and you know various we'd, we, we were kind of undertaking nigerian um PROs and various ones. We, we were on a mission to do it all, and it just felt 
that it was unmanageable and we'd better be involved with someone who uh, has got vast experience in the area. I think that's that's one of the the keys to publishing, isn't it? It's it's when you're when you're starting out, it's it's knowing when to to find the partner that can open up the rest of the world for you. When you you know you don't want to you, you want to be working all these bands, all these artists for the for the world. You don't want to be saying right, we're only going to do it for here because that's that's where the scope of our influence ends. But yeah, there, there does come a time, as you say, when, when you grow and you go, hmm, I think we, we need to start actually doing what we say that we can do. Yeah, <laughs> and finding, it, the, right, and finding I... the right partner is, is, is very, very important for that. Yes, well, that was it. I was also, we were, we were because of our success in various like um, areas like FIFA and video games, we were attracting a lot of attention from prominent hip hop artists because they were like, hey, they've got these artists and we don't want to miss out. And we were getting artists that had got like really big back catalogs. And I was beginning to get to the stage where I was sort of making it longer with them than needed to be to sign because I didn't want to feel that I wouldn't be able to do the job that um, you know we weren't capable of. And that was when we were still just trying to do all the collections ourselves. So. Um, yeah, I, I kind of was like, right, we can't sign these artists until we actually can do everything that we promised that we mm-hmm. could do. So, so yeah, so that was when I knew it was the right moment. I guess it's kind of like getting married or something like that, you know? It's you just you just know when it's finally the right moment to, <laughs> to do that. mentioned um your relationships with your artists and i've been having a having a tour around some of your bits and pieces and there's there's some interesting quirks in your contractual relationships that you have with your artists uh whereby it's very artist friendly um Mm -hmm. you are kind of adamant uh in a lot of your your pr and a lot of that kind of stuff that it's very much you know you are you're a a young publisher you're forward thinking you're you're seeing the industry as it is you know right now you are trying to move with it so I'm, I'm keen to kind of pick your brains a little bit about kind of yeah. how that how that kind of came about in your head how you thought you know what this will work this is a long-term way of a publisher working with with kind of a with with non-traditional forms of yes. contract yeah yeah I guess um it's a little bit of optimism and sometimes sort of almost like blind faith in yourself. But I've, over the years, um, I've always, um, um, I think, been quite a good communicator with the artists, probably coming from the background. I've been an artist myself for, you know, a number of years. So I'd seen how that works and I achieved a like, modicum of success. And I think that's always enabled me to get on well with artists because they're not seeing me as someone from the outside just looking to come in and trying to... Um, capitalize or make money from them they know that I've also been there and done that so that kind of immediately um reassures them to a certain extent and I can kind of give them a good a good examples of things that happened to me in the past and bad examples um and then say that I'm trying to sort of learn you know learn for, as, as you go along really so that that helped but I just had faith that if you kind of do a good job even if it's on a short-term basis where the artist isn't tied in um that they they still won't leave because you know if they can see you're working x amount harder than any previous publishers they've had um or um 
you know, or that you're just basically keeping the chains of communication up. So we have like WhatsApp groups with virtually all the artists where we're constantly in communication with them, the A&R is, and um, uh, yeah, it's just basically, yeah, the communication is key, I think, with it really. So I just had faith that that would um, outlast, you know, uh, offering them like, you know, uh, tying them down to like a, a four year contract or something like that. Because invariably some of these artists now have stayed for that amount of time anyway. Mm -hmm. So um but uh, yeah, I mean, it's definitely, it's, I'm not trying to be really a disruptor. It just was more just feeling that uh, we could do a good job and that's how it would, you know, um, we'd maintain the, the, the faith from the artist rather than keeping someone up there they sign and then you just sort of forget about them. I think it also keeps you on your toes a little bit longer. I mean, we've kind of moved away from the model of, sorry, excuse me, that Centric had or something like that, which was um, 28 days rolling and things like that we kind of encourage the artists and incentivize them to choose a slightly longer period of time just so we can kind of get our teeth stuck into it so all the back end can be done around the world um and give us a run-up at that and introduce them to supervisors and um and to all the people we work with but um it's still broadly compared to a big publisher um very short term because there's no back end retention and things like that i mean we are beginning to um move into just sort of um offering some artists who have kind of come in with an epic catalog some advances if they're just after it but even then there's still the the length of the deal kind of would fall under what other publishers would just call it an admin deal do you know what i mean so it's um we just pick and choose artists that you know that you can justify in advance, even if it still is only for a two year period. Um, so I was going to say, so that, so the, the, the roster that you can see on your website, that's, that's a roster full of, of people that you haven't invested chunks of money up front with it. It's more, you've invested your time and the relationship that yeah. you build with, with, yeah, you've yeah, built with them. Very much, yes. It's, it's sort of, um, it's sort of creative and people led and all the team that we work with are very much uh, aligned in the same way of thinking as well. So it kind of, it, 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 it sort of flows, not just from myself, but from everyone. And, um, and yeah, we just try and be sort of friendly and nice work hard and get results and be judged on those results. Um, and then without the artist feeling that they are tied down for years, but I mean, each deal is slightly different. There's, literally almost not a single one on the roster is identical right um, and it, we just make it that they kind of can choose how it works and we then sort of you know throw it almost put it back in their court and say what is it you're after how because i mean you're you're dealing with a lot of self-releasing acts lots of diy acts i'm not not talking about kind of you know the the vast sea of diy acts that there is at the moment mm -hmm. but acts that have got their own little team of people around them rather than signed up to a record label so how how clued up on the publishing side of things are you finding the the, the acts that you're that you're talking to are they coming to you a little bit kind of tell me what this stuff is or are they coming to you really knowing their stuff and you're just adding adding the the kind of the the nuts and bolts on top um it's a mixture of both really um it often depends on who they've got representing them so some of them have got like you know quite well seasoned managers so um they'll fully be aware of what publishing is and they'll um normally be sort of quite wowed at the deals that we offer in that sense because they're like wow this you know they, they, they you'll find that the contracts almost get very little um you know change there's not huge amounts of red line when you're dealing with um 
a manager who say like you know um got sort of like quite a big roster themselves but yeah most of them are um self-releasing but i don't know over we've we've kind of worked with um quite a few now who are signed to record labels we've got like a band who's with emi at the moment bull um got a lot of rap acts who have been or are with high focus records it's a quite big brighton based in uk hip-hop independent and we've got good relationships with them as well they're sort of quite keen as well for our for their artists to work with us because okay we've generated money for the the record label as well on the master side so are you uh are you like in, in those sorts of situations when it comes to things like sync are you adding saying look how we can we can license the the your your side of things as well are you kind of trying to pull it all together to to make the supervisor's job that little bit easier or are you kind yeah. of just advising best practice um it's a, again it's a bit it's a bit of both um definitely supervisors prefer as you'll know from your own experience like the less obstacles in the way um or things that can change at the last minute uh, is preferable so we kind of try and um you know ease that process um in a very fair way um so because also as well it's, it's to our benefit that you know that side is handled even if we're doing it um you know uh, just to make sure it gets done if you yeah. see what i mean um, rather than taking anything from it. You mentioned a company like Centric, um, and yeah. you kind of, you, you know, you're, you guys are uh, four years, four years old. You've, you've seen that sort of service model and mm -hmm. you've got, you've, you've taken parts of it that you think are really uh, genuinely, um, you know, the, the kind of thing that you want to do, but you've also taken some of the more traditional elements and kind of smushed them together. And I think that's something, especially with how much has been talked about recently with all the streaming, the economics of streaming stuff and what contracts look like to artists at the moment. I think that it's, it's likely that this, that's where the business is going. Do you think that you're kind of at the? Do you do you um, like push for, to be at the forefront of those of those sorts of conversations? Do you like, or is, is that something that you're you're trying to to keep yourself ahead of, oh, um, of the curve well, a little bit? Actively being different to what everyone else offers. Um, uh, yeah, we were having a discussion myself and my team the other day with um, an artist that's quite sort of. Um, well established now and um we're sort of chatting with our lawyer and stuff like that and the contract came back and we just kind of said well there's it's kind of all made up isn't it anyway there's no real reason we have to stick to this traditional thing so we were like well why don't we actually just completely do this in a way that wouldn't be normally thought of as sensible um, <laughs> um, or, <laughs> um not still sensible but as sensible as a publisher you know to protect you know and just why don't we why don't we do it in a way because i think it also comes from the fact that some of the a and r and the team that i work with they're also uh, like artist managers so i'm able to kind of pick their brains and say look you know as an artist manager he's going to you know um I wouldn't be comfortable with this. Obviously, as part of a publisher, I kind of can see how it's done. So maybe there's a way we can meet in between where we kind of, um, yeah, just do a sort of hybrid model, really, on sort of like terms of the approach to back catalogue and sort of exclusive songwriter things and stuff like that. Just things that basically sit the artists down and just make them feel comfortable. And then, as I said, the, the kind of hope is then 
at the end of that all um they um you know they 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 stick with you really and it's also as well it's not like i'm doing this like um because i'm passionate about music and i've always done it and i don't have in my head like an exit strategy for max music publishing to then create another venture or whatever like this i'd quite like where i see it is in you know 30 years time me still be doing this in some capacity so as a result of that i'm not necessarily trying to like um create mega amounts of like you know equity in the company it right now um because i'm not seeing myself exiting it in five years it's not like a dragon's den thing where i'm kind of saying in five years i want it to be worth this because i'm going to sell it i would quite like my son you know who's already making his first beats and is like massively into um hip-hop music and he keeps oh can i work for max music when i'm older and i've got like various artists to send in messages and that's kind of I, as i said that the way i peer music or a family business i'd quite like it to be like that yeah. so um as a result there's not quite the, the panic and stress for like i have to make it make you know as as valuable or, you know float it or whatever um right now it's, it's interesting that because whilst you were talking to me about that i was thinking about songs music publishing the american mm-hmm. company that got bought out by cobalt a few years back and you kind of you, you see that you know that that felt as though now that it has been sold, it was as you pointed out, it was kind of a venture that that there was always something in the back of their heads of going, let's let's build up equity, let's build up something that's worth something, and then let's sell it on so we can move on to the next thing. Whereas you you guys seem to be just genuinely thrilled and invested in the day to day life of what a publisher is and what it means to work with creative people and so you're much yes. more invested in the, the in the in the the relationship that you have now as opposed to keeping hold of the assets that are created for years and years and years and years and years yeah i mean it's i, I i'm sure with all of this there there'll come points where idealism will kind of be um counterbalanced by having you know your fingers burned and then you have to adapt slightly that's just the way these things work and you go ah right that's why they do it a bit like this but even then i'm sure there's a middle ground you can tweak it so it's not um but yeah um i'm not in any rush really yeah, that's yeah. that's that's the the way i'm viewing it um so um yeah but i do i do kind of see how um you know yeah it just depends what people's goals are doesn't it really for what they're trying to achieve were were Pierre really into that side of that ethos that you were bringing to the company? Because obviously Pierre are a very traditional music publisher. They've been going since the twenties. Can't get yes. much more traditional than that. Um, so were they kind of were they really keen on kind of seeing this very forward thinking company, or were they a little um, bit? We like the roster, but what's 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 going on here? What's all this? I maybe maybe a bit of both i think we you know we do take as i said one thing as well is i don't ever try and um pretend that i know everything so i'm i'm, I'm a willing and receptive listener on people's experiences and take them on board so um yeah uh you know peer have definitely uh done things in an established way and they know the reasons why they do these things so we definitely have been taking advice and, and adapting certain situations so that it's more um 
yeah that we're moving a little bit towards more towards that and you know and, and that's been quite well received and and also they're just um explaining to us the advantages of why you would do it in that way and we're like okay yeah you know what that does make sense a little bit and so far as well uh, you know then when we kind of if as long as we can com- understand it believe it and be passionate about it then we can kind of communicate that to the artist and they're like okay yeah that does make sense as well so we'll go with it um but then still adapt it within the framework of how we've been previously operating so um uh, I guess that might sound a bit vague without going directly into the specifics of the contract, but I'm sure you get the, the kind of broad gist of it based on yeah, yeah. what period. What but yeah, I think they definitely would have, uh, you know, were keen on um, the kind of exciting roster that we've got as well. And, um, it, you know, it's although we did, you know, we have actually signed like, uh, you know, an older artist recently as well, UB40. Um, so we're not, we're starting to make, you know, forays into like having not just it being exclusively up and coming artists who are emerging it's like if the right opportunity presents itself and then with UB40 at the moment we're hooking them up with various people from our roster to kind of do a sort of like a, yeah a very sort of creative project for nice. the most recent al- album release putting in with different rappers and producers and creating something but yeah, they wouldn't otherwise have um, thought of, and they they they've got very young managers uh, there as well. So I think that's what appealed to uh, them about us as well that we could offer stuff like that rather than just literally. If they'd have gone to a more traditional publisher, it probably would have just been a chunk of money. Mm-hmm. Is the is the roster as big as it's going to get now, or uh, have you got kind of some ideas about areas uh, that you need to that you want to go in, or you know gaps that you want to fill? Yeah, yeah, we definitely, again, what we definitely want to move into more, which wasn't possible with the really micro short-term contracts, is um, the traditional sort of like songwriting aspect of, so we've just signed a top, our first like top line writer, right. and we're currently in chats with a couple of sort of like pop producers. So the, with the sort of just in on the short-term contract, the area that we just weren't really able to get hold of was pop, um, just because normally there's so many parties involved on the songwriting, and that you know that you just can't get them you, you can't really get a control of the song in any effective way and mm-hmm. they be that keen on signing on like a three-month rolling contract and you can't really get your teeth into putting people in songwriting sessions on that short term so that's an area that we're we're kind of working towards at the moment that's okay. our goal is more sort of you know um yeah more traditional publishing where you actually put songs together creatively and then you know hopefully get artists to you know um to really, you know, uh, use those songs. So I guess up to now, it's been very much kind of performing songwriters. From, from an A&R perspective, you've been looking at finding producers, finding writers to bring into the projects, whereas now yeah. you're looking at working with songwriters and producers to farm out to other projects, maybe on majors or maybe or, or whatever. So it's kind of yeah, yeah, just looking at the other side of the other side of the coin a little bit. That's that's yeah. the that's the next project. Yes, absolutely. It's just gradually doing it. So the easier one, the easy way of starting, we thought, was just to like get artists that's out of the box, thinkable, and that kind of like gets us the attention. It gets um, puts a mark on the map, and then after that, you gradually explore all the other areas. Um, and yeah, I mean, we did, we'd like doing some exciting things at the moment. We're trying to put together um, a showcase um, for our different writers and artists so um the idea is we're going to do it where we have two rooms one which is the room with all our hip-hop artists and writers playing and then a adjoining 
um, on the same venue, another room which has got like the indie artists or songwriters. And then on the we have got a few artists that have already cross collaborated within our roster, so then they'll kind of be swapping between the rooms and appearing on each other's ones. And that would be to perform in front of like supervisors and fans. So cool. um, we've done a couple of events like that before as well. All right, that I was really going to say well. that's that's a very specific venue you're looking for. Yeah, yeah, that was. Uh, <laughs> Um, Hocks and Bar and Kitchen. Um, okay. we've, we've done we've done that before, but we've also done stuff at the Groucho Club as well. And you know, just yeah, we just again just doing things that you know excite us really and yeah. excite me. I'm just just being sort of behind a desk and doing admin. How are you finding the sync world? at the moment it's i've worked in and around sync since i was 19 so um yeah 19 years and uh i kind of i left it about four or five years ago i say left it you know i I left the day-to-day of it about four or five years ago and i've dipped in and out working on projects um as i see fit um since then but in those two years when I was uh, at Sound Lounge as a music supervisor and then from then, you know, the amount of change and development in that area, the, the, the size of the of the marketplace, the amount of new companies that are appearing all the time, the amount of individuals as companies that are appearing. It's one of the reasons why I thought I'm not going to be another one of those freelance supervisors because there's about... There's thousands of them. Um, so yeah, so from a, from a rights owner's perspective that puts quite a, a lot of emphasis on the sync side of things, that's got a lot of success absolutely. How are you seeing that marketplace and where are you seeing the majority of your opportunities coming from? Um, that's a good question. I mean, it's, it's growing in the sense that like there's all the um, new and emerging sort of platforms. So like the thing that I was, uh, the reason I was a little a couple of minutes late today, which I do apologise, was for exactly that reason. In like um, the TikTok area at okay. the moment, doing something bespoke for that, and we've had quite a few companies and brands come to us direct, um, about like three or four in the last month or so. Um, so I guess that that's the, the most noticeable new change that I'm I'm kind of doing. That no one's quite got the handle on how to. Um, work there because it's not quite as traditional as it with TikTok no. it's um there's content it's not just like placing a song because that in itself won't do it because then you've still got to rely on the company to actually make the content that makes it go viral so a lot of people are kind of doing the uh, kind of a cross thing where they want to work with our artists who are kind of music that would be appropriate for TikTok but involving those artists in it to create the content as well so mm-hmm. it kind of eliminates the you know you're actually providing it as a one-stop thing so yeah, that that area we've definitely seen grow. And just across, I mean, there's, I mean, there's more more um, with all the streaming platforms. Um, I guess so. The, the thing over time is when we first started with movies, and that doesn't really seem to be as prominent now. At least our artists aren't. But there is loads of TV dramas, shows. You know, um, like Love Island. We got one of our artists on that about two weeks ago, and that's uh, really helped. Um, bring her to the attention of an audience she hadn't ever got before it like doubled her streams in yeah. most over the weekend and a shazams and yeah there's, there's low i mean it's just, as our roster has got um bigger and better um it seems that you know the luckier we get with 
placements really what you know at the start it was almost like there was a couple of artists that were as you could say like doing the heavy lifting and sort of like getting all the placements but like now it's um with with yeah we're able to get a broader spectrum um of different opportunities but yeah tiktok does seem to be to me the where it's sort of headed at the moment everyone's trying to find a way to um capitalize on the popularity of that as a platform um and license music to it well what's the conversations like with those sorts of platforms as a rights owner you know it's not as traditional as a right we're giving you the license you give us a bunch of money for the privilege it's a little bit more uh quid pro quo a little bit more see how it goes so how um, Very much. you know there, there isn't you know there's there's pseudo royalties in the background but there isn't the same sort of thing as if you get a a TV show or anything like that. So how are you, you know, from a rights owner's perspective, when you're looking at that, that upfront figure, that fee, because I remember talking to a few companies and this was when it was just VOD stuff that there wasn't, you know, it wasn't, it was a non-traditional license. They were going, no, don't mind. Yeah. You're doing a traditional license. It's a year, X thousands of pounds. You go, ugh. That's not how this is working. Come on, guys. So, how are you finding those sorts of those sorts of projects? Yeah, um, we're finding that they're that they're, even the companies that come to us aren't, you know, fully. They they haven't got any previous history in this. So we got like a big um, sports nutrition brand came to us, and they were just like, "We've never done any social media marketing," and we were like, having normally you'd deal with someone within that company who deals with licensing across the board but because they're quite a new company as well they were literally wanting a, a, a walkthrough and they're quite open about it on how to do it so we were almost having to create everything from scratch really then they'd have to present it to their company and they wouldn't you know they were like ah oh, that's not what we had in mind you know we might have to go for library music and it's so I think it's going to be quite a long journey there really um, but it does mean I... that those people come back to you don't they Yes. It yeah. Oh, that, yeah, yeah. That marketing company is going to come back to you as as their go to because of the amount of of work that you put in that first time, even if it didn't quite work out. Yeah. Hopefully that was it, and you know, just present nice music and just be sort of calm about it. And it's just, um, I think it'll just find it's you know, like water will find its own level naturally, won't it? But at the moment, it's it's a little bit of the wild west out there, and everyone's you know like trying to find a way to make it work but um but yeah as i said we're, we're doing something right literally like when i turn my phone on after this it'll be pinging away because we've got to get it done by thursday for um a campaign for a big brand hopefully something that i didn't realize was you know one, one of the questions that I haven't asked yet was why music and and why music is that well you were a an artist oh god yeah yeah no i mean it's um it's pretty much all i wanted to do i was at university um in cardiff and i was i've been making music with um sort of my best friend like since the age of 12 we were we kind of fortunate our parents sort of supported our passions we had like all the sort of sampling kit and sequences so i was kind of making fully made songs from the age of like 12 and we got signed um while we we're at university i was offered a postgraduate course and at the same time that i got offered a record deal um from one at lindian records um and obviously the 21 year old me chose the record deal um yep much to <laughs> our, our parents 
like concern having sort of funded us through university but yeah so that was it really then I was away and um uh, you know I was an artist for about uh, yeah about eight years or something and then then it kind of merged to like doing the record company and starting off releasing some of my own um unreleased stuff mm-hmm. and then um yeah then uh, kind of went on that journey and um first thing we did for the record company was released uh, an album by um matt sharp who was in weezer um that was the first split records thing it kind of came to us out of the blue we just um put uh, on those old directories you could sign all record companies.com or whatever and um we thought it was a joke that suddenly weezer's um sort of co-songwriter had approached us but he did and we were able to secure his services and that sort of then gave us the platform to speak to distributors and and sort of re- relocate in London but yeah no the, the time in my in the band was um, a lot of fun um, we were managed by uh, Mike Champion who was the Prodigy's manager um, during their hiatus and um, he was more rock and roll than we were I mean sadly I don't know if you know but he sort of passed away a couple of years ago but right. he was um he was a legend in the music industry. I think there was a couple of pages in Music Week about him, and he, um, yeah, and uh, he, Keith Flint based his look on him. So you know when Keith Flint had the hair up in the two fins, that's because that's how Mike used to have that hairdo. But yeah, no, it's, it was great fun. Um, I still sort of hanker for um, making music every now and again. Um, so hopefully I might get to do it vicariously with my little boy. As I said, he started downloading music software already. There's, so there's no time like like being at home all the time. One of the things that I I did over over lockdown is get back into buying way too many guitar pedals. I can, I can see all the axes in the background there yeah, as well. Yeah, and... So I I I was in bands for I was in kind of heavy rock and metal bands for a while, and then I just stopped and migrated into the into the uh record label publishing management side of things i probably stopped playing the guitar every day in my mid-20s and this year i got fed up of my guitars being ornaments or rather this the lockdown i got fed up of my guitars being yeah expensive things that i hang on walls and so i picked them up again and started making making a few a few tracks and i bought myself a few bits and pieces that i can make my own music again so i'm kind of i'm just just that it is just for fun i'm kind of waiting for the moment uh where my boy young boy asks for um wait for the moment where my young boy asks one of those grids um that all the you know the hip-hop guys do at the moment because i used to do it all on cubase and Sort of like get sample packs and then do it by MIDI keyboards. Now they're just like sort of tapping away on a four by four sort of grid, aren't they? And sort of making beats. And I don't want to splash out on it just for myself, but if he asks, there'll be no hesitation for me. <laughs> Something for you to play with. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No. But yeah, my ornaments too as well. So um, I admire you for taking the step of converting them back into actual uh, musical instrument. <laughs> One of the things that drew me back into um, wanting to work with artists again, so kind of my um, my foray back into music publishing is is working with a lot of really kind of talented guitar bands, um, but kind of slightly on the heavier end is is where I've started out because mm. I'm I'm into heavy music, and one of the things that I've never actually been able to do is work with 
heavy bands. Uh, you know, at, I spent time at, at Sony ATV, but okay, there's 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 heavy stuff on that roster. But it was very much it was a major it's a major publisher, so it was a, a little bit of everything roster. Um, peer music was you know there there were there were some there were some bits and pieces thrown in. I'm pretty sure Peer still work with Cradle of Filth. Uh, but that was a good that was a good fun um, band to to chat to every now and again when I was there, but it was you know they weren't it it, it wasn't a, 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 again sync isn't you know, every every piece every type of music is syncable but there are certain bits of music that are more in vogue at any given time, and yeah, yeah. but I, I've just I've never had the opportunity to sit down and work with bands that are playing baritone guitars and are kind of uh, a little bit more raucous and so I've got this is my opportunity to do that so that's what right. I'm doing passion project but yeah. they're always the ones that like you know if you're passionate about it you'll you kind of actually go the extra mile exactly and I've got you know there's a, a bit like yourselves um you know there's there's certain ideas there's certain areas of focus that I want to I want to get to I know where I want to be in five years time but I know that you've got to walk before you before you run in these things. So it's kind of, you know, see how things go and try and grow organically rather than going desperately running, running, um, running towards something that might not happen. I think that's that's how how you guys or how how you've developed Max Music Publishing. And it's kind of it's it's really interesting to talk to you about it and, and find out kind of where where your head went and how it's how it's got to where it is. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I just tried not to overthink anything at any stage, really. I just sort of trusted 20 years of experience in music to hopefully have a, a, a reasonable idea of what I think will work or not. But even within then, you still learn along the way and, you know, you just have to and be adaptable, I guess. Mm-hmm. That's the, the key thing. But yeah, rock music is, I've always been sort of quite passionate about that as well. And that's an area that we're looking to sort of expand on. We have got, like, we've got a band called Big Spring who we've been working with. That was, I think maybe our second or third signing. So they've been with us um, uh, about three, over three years now. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've, they've proved very sort of syncable. We've got, because again, rock music is quite driving for, you know, like things like, you know, they've been on Amazon Grand Tour or whether it's on BT Sports or anything that kind of denotes excitement, the riffs, doesn't yeah. it? So. Well, it's, it's an interesting one because obviously we're now in a very much uh, from a from a chart radio perspective, the guitar guitar based music is in a little bit of a a trough rather than a peak, um, and it hasn't been been helped by the lack of live uh, music for the past year and a half or so. So, kind of you know bands uh, that were you know doing wonderful things in the late 90s into the noughties and stuff like that have have had to it, it's been a tricky been a tricky one in in the very in in the cycle of music uh, that we're in so to finish up with what's next what's coming up for for max music publishing over the next well at the end of this year and into and into 2022 okay um well i think I, i've touched on it a bit before so it's as i said we're definitely looking to um, start going down the route of sort of um, the traditional publishing 
not model, but of actually just getting songs written from scratch rather than being signing people because of their catalogue or um, actually just, yeah, that's quite exciting of just putting together a top line writer, a producer, um, a lyricist and things like that. Um, as well, I'd like to, working with UB40 has sort of like whetted my appetite as well that, you know, I don't, we don't have to exclusively just look at artists you know, in their first five years of their career, there's still artists who are passionate and making good music at the sort of the, the older end of their career and that we can maybe add something to them. So I would like UB40 not to just be a, an anomaly with us, but hopefully it might, uh, other artists mm -hmm. from sort of, you know, um, you know, even sort of like my age, you know, who have, have kind of still, uh, you know, releasing records that this kind of might be a more interesting route than just basically signing away every five years, a chunk of publishing for a bit of cash and they're just forgotten about because their music is no longer, you know, at the status it once was. Um, so yeah, quite, that's an area I'd like to get into as well, really, is just expanding that kind of side of things. Um, and yeah, just carrying on, as I said, not overthinking it, just treating each thing as we as it kind of comes up and then making micro adaptions to every contract and the way we approach things really. And it um, seems to be working okay at the moment, better than I thought really, in all honesty. If I'd have, when I kind of came up with the concept of it um, in December, 2017, I don't think I'd have envisaged it being where it is right now. So if we can carry on that trajectory, trajectory over the next couple of years I think all, all should be um you know good for us but it's just yeah just keeping your eyes open being observant and adapting and being flexible for the artist as well really that's who we're there to serve really um and that's 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 hopefully radiates through in our passion in what we do and sort of like every area really we genuinely do as I said everyone who's involved um in the team are musicians themselves as well so like they all, uh, you know, Beth, who's uh, the A&R manager, who's sort of like my number two, she's, you know, um, makes, has been, you know, she uh, went to, um, I think, was it BIM? Um, no, Westminster. And she was a music, she was a singer-songwriter when I first met her. And so all, all of the A&R and the team are all passionate about me. It's very difficult to not be in music and not be passionate about it and yeah, yeah. just treat it product like you know paper merchants would you know for paper or something like that you're actually you, you get invested in it emotionally so yeah. hopefully that that kind of radiates through from us amazing max thank you so much for taking some time out to talk to me today no problems um it's been very enjoyable and great to to hear that you've reignited your passion in making music as well That's Massive thank you there to Max uh, for talking to me. As I said right at the beginning, it was a really, really inspiring conversation. Talking to someone who's who's done this, who who took the leap, uh, set up his own business, and has made has made a, a, a genuine success out of it. Um, if you would like to know more, find out more about Max Music Publishing, go to their website, maxmusicpublishing.co.uk. Max Music Publishing on Instagram, Max Music Publish on Twitter, Max Music Publishing on Facebook. Uh, you can find Spotify playlists of them. There's loads of links in the description. 
And also, if you want to uh, find Max himself on Instagram, that's Maximus underscore MMP. Um, if you would like to get in touch with me here at the show, email behindthebusinesspod at gmail.com or go to my website, www.dannychampion.co.uk. Tour around it, there is a contact form on there, as well as all the other guff that you would normally find on a website. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Danny Champion. You can also find uh, the podcast on Instagram at DC Music Publishing. And you can also find me on Instagram at Dan M. Champion. Uh, this is the last episode of 2021. Uh, thank you to everybody who has featured on the podcast this year it's been much appreciated there'll be many more episodes to come i hope but for now thank you very much and i'll speak to you all very again very very soon